Alright, that was great. We are back in Galatians tonight. We took a little bit of a break last week so I could study this text a little bit more. I wasn't quite ready to preach it last last Wednesday, but we are right back where we left off a couple weeks ago. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Now last week, uh, Paul was, or a couple weeks ago, I should say, uh, Paul was, was, was kind of making a plea to the people saying, look, you guys were doing good. You used to consider me a close friend, and now I've come back, and it's like you don't, like don't want to hear what I have to say, like I'm somehow your enemy. He even went so far as to say, look, you would have taken your eyes out and given, too many, uh, given them to me before, but now that I've come back and begin to kind of get on to you and tell you some hard stuff and tell you to straighten up, he's saying, you don't want to hear what I have to say. But Paul was trying to correct the people of Galatia because he didn't want to see them uh, living in sinfulness and being led astray by these false people who had came in we saw a couple weeks ago and it said that they were very enthusiastic and they were doing a good job of trying to win the people back over and kind of keep them separated to themselves so that they wouldn't be around other Christians and around people like Paul who would teach them the truth and so that's what we uh, talked about a couple of weeks ago going back a little further we, we kind of go back to uh, when Paul was talking about Slavery. He was talking about the idea that the law, he was compared the law to kind of like a slave, a servant who would be in charge of, of taking a child to school until the child was, was old enough to uh, go on their own. And the law kind of kept us in check as Christians uh, until Jesus came along. And Jesus was something better. He was a new way. He was a better way. He did what the law couldn't do. And so Paul kind of continues along with that line of thinking. So he was talking about uh, kind of the whole slave deal in a few verses in chapter 3. And then... In chapter 4, he kind of shifted gears a little bit, uh, saying, look, you guys have been led astray. What caused you to get off track? And now he's kind of getting back on the same point that he was on a few weeks ago that we saw. All right, so we will pray, and then we will uh, jump into the text. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for this word. I thank you that we can come and we can worship you. I thank you that you've brought all of our, our friends back that were in Mountain View, and we thank you that they had a good trip, dear Lord. And I pray that you just would be with me tonight, God, that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray that, that each one of us would just, through your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, hear what your word has to say. God, even if people don't hear a word that comes out of my mouth, that they would read your word tonight, God. And that your word would do the, do the work. God, your word can do way more than any, any words that I can say. So God, I pray that we always seek your word for guidance and not just the word of somebody else. And we just thank you for it. And I pray that you would lead us in that tonight. Help this teaching uh, to be beneficial and understanding. Help us to understand it, dear Lord, that we can use it uh, in our daily life. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, we'll just kind of go through here a verse or two at a time. Galatians chapter 4, verse... 21. Tell me, those of you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? Now, I, I think that, that Paul could be going a couple different ways when he's saying, don't you hear the law? One is, don't you, do you even understand what the law is really saying? Do you even get what the law is really saying? And, and if you do get what the law is saying, don't you see the punishment? Don't you see the burden that the law brings to you? Do you even, do you even understand what you're saying when, you, when you're saying, oh, we want to live by the law. We want to try to be justified by the law. What Paul is saying there is just, just kooky. That's just nonsense. That don't make any sense. Do you see that there is a freedom that Jesus Christ wants to give you and a certain grace that, that Jesus wants 
to give you to free you from this. Why in the world do you, do you want to keep living this way? Do you even realize what the law is all about? And then he goes on to say, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. Now, he kind of he shifts gears right here. He goes back and he uses an illustration to help these people understand exactly what was going on. Now, if you go back and you read in Genesis around chapter 12 and, and the next few chapters up through there, you see that God had made a, a covenant with Abraham. He had made a promise and he had told Abraham that he was going to bless Abraham or bless all nations through Abraham's seed. And that was going to be Isaac at first was going to be the son that was going to start it all. And then eventually, ultimately, what he's talking about there is Jesus. All right, so here's the deal though. See, Abraham and Sarah, they were pretty old at that time. And so everything was going well and good except Sarah decided she didn't want to wait. Now, I'm just paraphrasing this. Go back and read it for yourself, all right? Sarah decided she didn't want to wait, that she was going to speed up the process. After all, if God was going to bless them through a child that they were going to have, the scripture said that she was no longer able to bear children. She was in her 80s at this point in time, and Abraham even older than that. So she come up with this wonderful plan, and she said, hey, look, Abraham, why don't you take my slave here, Egyptian slave, Hagar, and why don't you take her as your wife, and then we can have a child. And so Abraham, not being a good husband, said, all right, I'm going to do it. Now, Abraham could have stood up. He could have said, this is not a good idea. This is not what God intended for us to do. But what Abraham did was he let his wife make the decision, and it turned into a trouble. Now, they're both at fault there. I'm not saying it's all the woman's fault. Don't give me them evil look, women. But I'm saying that, that, that Abraham should have stepped up and been a man and said, no, that's not what God wanted me to do. But she said, here's how we're going to do it. And he said, yes, ma'am. And so he went, and he took Hagar as his wife, and she had a son named Ishmael. And all was good, except it wasn't. Except that ain't what God wanted to take place. God said, this ain't the one. This ain't the one that I have for you. So, so what did what did uh, uh, Sarah do? She she now it was her idea, right? She said, "You take this woman, you you have a son with her," and then she had a son, and then she got mad, and then she said, "You got to make her go." All right. So then you got a problem. You got a family conflict that's going on. But God, He, he was going to take care of Ishmael and Hagar. We see that in the text, but God said, look, it is going to be your seed, Abraham. It's going to be your seed. And lo and behold, can you believe what happened? In their old age, at 100 years old, Sarah had a child. Now, that's pretty intense to think about. I mean, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. I mean, y'all think about that. Imagine trying to have a child at 100 years old. And Sarah laughed in the text. We can understand why. That's just crazy to think about. And so that's the story that, that Paul is reflecting on here. This is the illustration that he is making because more than likely, the people who were hearing him would have understood that illustration. The Jews, definitely, they would have known all about Abraham and even probably the Gentiles would have been familiar with this story. Abraham was kind of a big deal, right? I mean, he was, he was pretty important. And so if you follow the Lord, you probably knew who Abraham was. And so he brings up this illustration about the slave who was Hagar in the story and the free woman who is Sarah in the story. He goes on to say in verse 23, but the one by the slave was born according to the impulse of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born as a result 
of a promise. Now, that's a good verse we need to stop and think about here. All right, so he's saying, look, one of these children, Ishmael, was born from the impulse of the flesh, and one came about because of the promise that God had, had, had made with Abraham and Sarah. How true is that in our life? How many times does God have something in place, a plan, maybe even a promise, something that we know that God is leading us to, and instead of waiting on what His way is, we decide in the impulse of the flesh, in the moment, we decide we're going to do it our way and we're going to try to speed things up and we're going to try to make things better the way we want to do it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes do that because I'm not very patient because God is just too slow. He is just too slow because I want it right now. I want it right now. I want people to be healed now. I want things to fall into place now. I want ministries to boom now. I want thousands of people to be saved now. I want all these things to happen now. But guess what? Sometimes God's time is not my time. Most of the time. And so sometimes what I do is I get impatient and I try to help God along. Surely God wouldn't mind if I help him along. But let me tell you something. God doesn't need our help, and I need to learn that too. But that's what Abraham and Sarah tried to do. She decided she was just going to help God along. Maybe God didn't realize that they were so old after all. All right? So so, uh, Abraham is continuing on with the illustration. He's saying, look, one of these children was a a child of the flesh, a child of, of an impulse. The other was a child of the promise that God had made. These things are illustrations. For the woman represent the women represent the two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. That is Hagar. All right. So now we're going back to to where Moses got the law. We're going back to uh, uh, Mount Sinai here. That's what Paul is drawing us back to. He's drawing us back to the law, and he's saying that Hagar represents the law. Hagar represents slavery. After all, Hagar was a slave. And after all, the people of Israel were going to go into slavery in Egypt, which is where the scripture says that Hagar was from. So there's a lot of dots you can connect there to kind of help the people understand that, hey, this this is a bad thing. This is not a good thing. This is not what God intended. He's saying that the slave represents not a good thing. It represents being in bondage. It represents a sticking with a law that God no longer intends for us to be bound by, but God has delivered us from through Jesus Christ. So he's pointing out exactly what the illustration is. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. All right. So he's saying, look, Hagar represents what's going on in the here and now in that time. And that is that the people of Jerusalem, a lot of them were still living in spiritual slavery. That is, they were still living under the law. Now, we've talked about that in great detail. We know that that's exactly what's going on for the people in Galatia. And we see it in other spots in Scripture, too. And in current modern-day Jerusalem... Paul is saying, look, there are many of you who are still living in that slavery. There are many of you who are still living like a child of the slave. Y'all, are, y'all fall under the illustration side of Hagar. But he goes on to say, For she is slavery with her children, but Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. So he's pointing us past the here and now. He's pointing us to the heavenly Jerusalem. That heavenly Jerusalem that we can only uh, be part of if we are uh, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. For it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, who does not give birth. Burst into song and shout, You who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate are many more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. 
Now, that's a tough verse right there. I'm not really sure what to make of that verse, quite honestly. I've kind of studied and picked my brain about that. But I think what, what maybe Paul is saying there, and this may not be correct, but maybe what he's saying there is that there are going to be many more people who are going to come to the Lord and that are going to be children of God through the Gentiles than through the Jews because the Jews are being so hard-headed and they are still living in the law and they are going to miss Jesus Christ while there are so many who are freed from the law who are not living from the law and they are going to be children of the Lord. Because, see, the Jews took a lot of pride in the fact that they were sons of Abraham. But, 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 but a true son of Abraham is one who is in Christ, not one who has a certain blood running through his veins, but one who has put their faith and trust in Christ. And so that kind of blew everybody's mind when Paul would say something like that right? Because these people were proud of their lineage and what family they come from. And here Paul is saying, look, anybody can be a son of Abraham if they accept Jesus Christ. Whoa, that blew their mind. And praise the Lord, that's the case. Praise the Lord that God didn't just pick one people group and say, look, you are the only one that I am going to choose. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that all of us can be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ if we come to Him. That anybody that we go out and say, hey, let me tell you the good news. Jesus Christ died for you. Isn't that great that no matter who we go see, black, white, Cuban, Asian, short, tall, young, old, skinny, fat, whatever they are, anybody that is breathing a breath of, breath of life in them and they can still speak a word and they can still comprehend, they have an option, an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And praise the Lord for that, that God didn't just pick one or the other. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as then the child born according to the flesh persecuted the one according to the Spirit, so also now. Alright, so things didn't really change. Because if you go back and you read in the text, you see that when, when Isaac, uh, as he grew a little older as a baby and began to, to wean, that Ishmael made fun of him. It said he mocked him. And at that point, uh, Sarah said, you've got to get this this old evil child out of here. She's messing with my little baby. And so what we see is, is, that, is that the text says that the child of the flesh persecuted the one born according to the Spirit. And, and we see that in our, in our world today. We see many people who want to persecute the Christians. That is, those who are of the promise. That's you and I who have accepted Jesus Christ. And that's a very important distinction uh, to make, that there are those who are of the flesh and there are those who are of the promise. The point is this. Those who are of the flesh cannot do anything on their own to earn God's favor and forgiveness. In the flesh, in our own, we cannot earn God's favor. It is only through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It is through the promise that Jesus Christ was that we know for sure. It's not something that we had to wait on. We see in God's Word that, that Jesus has already come. We know that the promise has already come and been fulfilled, and we're waiting on Him to return when that day comes. And so we are saved by the promise of Jesus Christ, and so we are, we are under the promise. We are not under the flesh. It is, it is like a miracle. Because, see, when, when Sarah tried to get everything done under the flesh, there was no way that that was ever going to work. And even as unlikely as it seemed that they were going to have a child, that child of the promise came because God is true to His Word. And that's comforting for me as a Christian to know, hey, look, I'm a child of the promise. I'm a child of the one that God told Abraham 
thousands of years ago, it is through your seed, and I'm going to bless all nations and praise the Lord that we can be blessed and we can be children of the promise. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Now, that last that verse before last that we read, that really sums up this text. I mean, pretty, pretty good. You can't get any better than that. For the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. We Christians are sons and daughters of the free woman. That is, through the promise that is Jesus Christ. Children of the slave can never be co-heirs. We saw a few weeks ago that we are co-heirs with Christ. If Christ is the Son of God, and we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are also sons and daughters of the Lord. And there's, you can't have both. They're not going to be both co-heirs with, with Christ. It's only going to be those who are living in freedom. Only going to be those who are living in Jesus Christ. Not those who are living in slavery. And Paul is saying, don't give in to it. Don't be those who live in slavery. Because look, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. You're not going to get to be with Jesus Christ for all eternity. There is going to be no hope for you in the law. There is only going to be burden and, and hard times. And ultimately, you're going to have no hope. He's saying, look, don't give in to this. Don't be those who are a child of the slave. But be those who are a child of the free woman. We are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. And that's important for us to, for, to, to not forget. That's important for us to remember that we are free in Christ. We are not free to sin, but we are free from sin. So let us use our freedom to do what God calls us to do. Let us not go back again into slavery, whatever slavery that may be. I'm not talking about getting chains on us and getting whipped. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that thing that we're trying to do that's not necessary, some hoop we're trying to jump through to earn God's favor when what God doesn't want us to do is He doesn't want us to jump through a hoop or a try harder. He may just want us to repent of whatever it is we're trying to do and come to Him and say, Look, Lord, restore me. Break these chains of my sin, of my struggles, of all these things I'm trying to do and help me to focus Focus on Jesus Christ and know that I am free in Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this good text tonight. And I pray that You would help us to realize the freedom we have. God, it's a, it's a great thing to, to have freedom. Dear Lord, we see that from this country. We thank You for the country that we live in that we have freedom. God, we thank You that as Christians that we have freedom. And sometimes there, there are sin in our life and there are things in our life that that, that weigh us down, dear Lord, these chains that keep us, keep us from living in the freedom that you want us to live in. So let us not be found guilty of the same things as these people of Galatia, dear Lord. Help us not give in to, 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 to uh, spiritual slavery, God, to things that don't matter, to things that you don't require, dear Lord. But help us to know that we are free in Christ. And help us not to take that for granted. In Jesus' name I pray Amen.